The following programming is sponsored by Six Feet Over Under Productions. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM, 97.5 HD2, part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, it'd be great if I started talking when we were actually on the air and not while they're doing the reads before it. No, you're awesome off the air. You know, you you reminded yeah. me that we've been doing this show together for a couple of years now. Five. You've, you've been on the show for five years. You'd think I'd learn how to do this right. And and what is the gift for? You said it was like wood? Wood is the five-year anniversary. <laughs> so, so many bad jokes. I will get you. But I will a, avoid a, those. I will get you. Oh, you know what? what? We could bring our guest Sam Carcitti on and maybe he can get you a wood hockey stick. I know that they don't exist very much anymore, <laughs> but Sam Carcitti celebrating life adventures himself as uh, he wraps up 46 years at the Inquirer. How you doing today, sir? Good, good to hear you guys. Good to talk with you. It is wonderful to get to talk to you. Congratulations on the final piece and the next endeavors. We will get there shortly. I have a question to start. Can you please explain to me the NHL standards for canceling games with COVID? Because I don't understand how the Flyers had Saturday nine players out and that game went on, but then they got guys back healthy on Tuesday and that game was canceled. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I uh, actually sent a text to Bill Daly, who is uh, uh, the second man in charge right below Gary Bettman the other day, to find out what the heck was going on and... and uh, you know, he, he said there are a lot of factors that you don't know about. I said, well, tell me the factors. <laughs> what are the factors? Because, you know, they had six guys on the COVID list, and, and they played the Penguins, and as you mentioned. They had three others hurt, so they had nine guys missing. But guys hurt, you know, yeah, that, they really don't count because, you know, that happens. But you have six guys on the COVID list. I, I don't understand how you, you can play, and they did play that game, and the Flyers were beaten 6-2. to two. And then they only had four on the list. And the game was postponed against Carolina. It made no sense. And he said, "Well, there's some other circumstances with workers, and and he was very vague. And, and with the visiting team, meaning Carolina, and uh, you know they really didn't have many guys on the list. So I I still am puzzled. I to me it looks like they're throwing darts. And uh, and if you remember, the same thing happened last year when they had the outdoor game against the Boston Bruins uh, out in. Tahoe and Lake Tahoe, and and there was no way that game should have been played. The Flyers were missing, I think, seven or eight guys, and uh, yet the game was on TV. It was uh, you know a national televised game, so the game went on. Same thing with the Penguins game. It, you know, the game was televised. It was on Hulu. It was on uh, ESPN Plus. You know, they're trying different ways to make money. Um, the NHL, and and uh, you know, it, it sure looks like that game was played. You know, because of the streaming service, and they had they felt indebted to the streaming service. So, you know, it makes you shake your head because uh, a lot of unfairness, a lot of inequities in the NHL. I think comes out, uh, you know, looking very small with uh, with these rules. Everybody's shaking their head, just like you mentioned. Well, yeah, and, and Sam, my problem is it isn't necessarily which games they're going to play and, right. and which one, which players they're going to use, but it seems like even it, when they're at full strength, they have a young, promising goalie who is doing nothing more than, at this point, ducking and covering, not be, because he's he's got no defense in front of him. I mean, I went to the, the Penguins-Flyers game, 
And I know that they were shorthand and they were missing their top two defensemen. But they're not getting that puck out of the zone. And and from everything I'm hearing from people around the country, they think Carter Hart's doing a great job, but he's got no protection back there. What what are the Flyers doing and what can they do at this point to make sure that he doesn't fall down a hole during his best years? Yeah, well, in defense of, of Chuck Fletcher, the general manager, he did go out and make some moves. moves and, of course, the biggest move was getting uh, Ellis, Ryan Ellis, in the offseason. I think Ellis has played four games. So, you know, who could account for that, for his injuries? And and uh, that's a big part of it because what it does, it shuffles the entire lineup. Uh, the defensive pairings are totally mixed up right now. You have two left-handers on the top pairing last night in Sanheim and Provrove, and, and uh, they're very disjointed right now on defense. Yandel's been a disaster on the third pairing. And, uh, you know, as a result, um, you know, things have not fallen in place. And, of course, now Rasmus Ristolainen is out. So, you know, you say, what can you do? Well, they got to get these guys back because they're just not real deep. And some other teams I wrote this, I'm writing now for Philly Hockey Now, and I wrote this in a column today that, uh, you know, other teams have had injuries, other teams have had covid problems and and guys going on and off the list but they can withstand that at least the the quality teams can because they have good depth and the flyers don't have that depth all right and right right now they don't have much talent i mean let's face it so you know once they get katuri back once they get ristolainen back once they get ellis back you know you're going to see a good product uh but by then it'll probably be too late i mean it it would take uh a minor miracle for this team to make the playoffs right now. They're 13 points behind, and uh, Boston's got a couple games in hand, and, and they're they're just not a real good team. I mean, they played two good periods last night against Boston, and uh, that's not enough. I mean, you got to play three solid periods, and, and Mike Yale, to his credit, didn't duck that yesterday. He said that they're just not grasping it. You know, every shift has to feel like, hey, this could be a shift that ter- determines the game. And they're just too lax. Uh, we saw that on the first goal last night. Just, you know, poor, poor clearing attempts. And and uh, they're just not playing with the intensity that you need to play with. And as a result, they're um, a media, mediocre team, if not, you know, less than that right now with all the injuries. Yeah, look, they were down 2 nothing before I could get my little one in bed last night. By the time I walked out of his room, I had a score alert. You know, the score alerts couldn't even update fast enough to give me the first goal and the second goal. That That's the problem with the slow starts. One thing, I get guys out of the lineup, but they've, they're taking some awful penalties. What can this team do in that department? Because they've had power play struggles when they're on the offensive side. They've had penalty kill struggles when they give it up. And I just don't know... How do you fix this, or do you move more players at the deadline because you can't? Yeah, I, I, I think it's a matter. I, th- I think some of the young guys are committing some really bad penalties. We saw that last night, and it's just a matter of right now, you know, they don't have an NHL caliber lineup. I mean, uh, you know, I give them credit. They played pretty well last night over the last two periods, but, you know, some some of the penalties you know, made you scratch your head. I agree with you, and, and – uh, you know, you, again, you hate to say they have to get the guys back because they just don't have the depth right now. And, uh, you know, <laughs> if Kachuri's in there, then 
uh, everybody else slides down and, and makes the lineup that much better. So, um, you know, until that happens, and, and right now they're they're being va- very vague about when these guys will come back. I mean, Gutierrez did make the trip with them, um, you know, to Boston, but, uh, you know, I don't even think he's skating right now. So, um, uh, and the same with Ryan Ellis. They're being very vague. We know Ristolainen will be back soon. He's on the COVID protocol list, but uh, uh, this team just is not real deep. Um, you know, they, they need the young guys like Morgan Frost to develop. They need the young guys like Cam York to develop, and, and York has shown some promise. And uh, I, I think uh, Morgan Frost has not been great, but he's shown some flashes, and I think he's going to be uh, a good player. I don't think a great player, but I think he's going to be a good player. Sure. And uh, so, you know, we'll see. It's going to take time, but right now they're uh, um, their minor league team, and, the, and uh, the farm system just is not real good. Sam, as as most of the people in this city know, you've been basically the historian for the Flyers for the last half century. Um, I still get a newspaper, and and I loved opening the newspaper and, and seeing your articles for so long. And I know you, we're going to talk in a minute about your continuing somewhere else. But one of the things that I'm concerned about with the Flyers, and I was there, was that the history of the Flyers and the things that are important that made this organization special as far as being a family, which is a way to recruit uh, free agents to come here, seems to have been lost somehow. Uh, I mean, I was sitting there in my seat going, when are they going to honor Ed Snyder? And, And somehow the Flyers went that entire game and that entire day without honoring the, the patriarch of this family. What happened that, because people are still wondering, what exactly happened that the Flyers somehow missed that? Yeah, former players even got involved yeah. and, and, and spoke up about the lack of recognition of it. Yeah, and, and I think it was just an honest mistake to be truthful with you, because I, you know, I know uh, Dave Scott is very close, uh, was very close with uh, Ed Snyder and and I don't think it was anything deliberate, to be honest with you. Uh, I think it was just an oversight. And, you know, they, they would probably say, hey, there have been a lot of people who have meant a lot to this organization. You know, a Fred Shiro, a Keith Allen, and we we don't honor them. They've passed away. We don't honor them on their birthday. But, you know, Snyder is, <laughs> is special, and they, they should have, really. But... Uh, uh, I think it was just an oversight. I don't think it was anything malicious or anything like that because, you know, they they talk in reverence uh, when they when they talk about him. I mean, uh, Bob Clark, who's still a senior advisor. I mean, he, you know, to him, <laughs> Mr. Snyder, as he always refers to him, even to this day, you know, was was almost like a second dad. So I I don't think it was anything deliberate or or malicious. I think it was just uh, just a mistake, and uh, unfortunately. Uh, um, you know, it just just slipped through the cracks. I, I think I was surprised by it. I, I just think it hurts with the perception of the fan base. You know, you look, there's more empty seats at those games. There isn't the excitement in the fan base. And then you mentioned Bob Clark. And look, I've worked in media and communications for years. Whenever I see somebody give quotes on the record, I wonder why and what their intent is. Uh, I was kind of surprised that Bob Clark went off on everything Ron Hextall this week from his management style to his draft picks to his trades what is going on there <laughs> yeah clark you would have to answer that i actually texted him and 
you know, after the outburst, and he said, you know, he didn't respond. So obviously, he did not want to comment on it any further. But uh, yeah, to me, it seems like there was uh, an, another, an ulterior motive there. Maybe it was to, to distract what's going on with this team. Uh, Clark is very close with Chuck Fletcher. They worked together with the Florida Panthers, and Clark had a big hand in hiring Chuck Fletcher. And this team looks like it's going to miss the playoffs in back-to-back years for the first time since 93-94. So maybe he was trying to, uh, you know, direct the attention away from that uh, by saying, hey, the reason we're in bad shape right now now is because of the condition that Hexie left this team. Well, (laughs) the funny thing is that when Fletcher took over, he went out of his way and praised Hextall for leaving him seven really good prospects and, and, you know, the pro bros that connect me and the St. Himes guys who have not developed since then, uh, guys who look very promising then. But, you know, to me, Clark's comments, I think it was revisionist history. I think that uh, uh, he painted a picture that uh, Ron Hextall did a horrible job here, and especially with his draft picks. And I went back and I wrote a story and, and outlined each player. Uh, each first round pick because he was very critical about the first round pick. I, I think I would give him like a C plus, which you know is not the picture that Clark painted. I mean, you know, he's had some good picks, some real good picks. The Farabee pick was tremendous, and uh, you know, Provorov. Uh, you know, you can argue that he's not a great player, but he's a good player. Um, you know, Sandheim still has promise. Um, he hasn't lived up to it. Connecting was a guy who scored twenty four goals three times. You know, I think he was a 27th pick overall in the first round. Is that a bad pick? Yeah, I mean, it, it's revisionist history. And, and uh, Clark was very good. I went back and looked at his draft picks. He was very good. But he also made some really bad picks, um, as all general managers do. And, of course, the focus was Nolan Patrick. And for Clark to say that not one of our scouts wanted Nolan Patrick, I cannot believe that because I've talked to a lot of scouts and almost every scout around the league had Heischer, Nico Heischer, of course, went number one to New Jersey, or Nolan Patrick, who went number two to Flyers. Almost all these scouts had them one, two. So if the Flyers scouts disagreed, I'm sure there were a lot of them that did, uh, that wanted uh, uh, Cal, uh, Cal McCarr from uh, Colorado who went end up going to Colorado. I'm sure there were a lot that wanted McCarr, but um, to say all, I find that hard to believe that all of them uh, said no to Patrick. I, I just think that that's revisionist history. Sam, e- even though you, you when when we think of Sam Carcitti, we think Flyers and NHL hockey, you've covered so many of, of the events that, that shaped our city, including the Fog Bowl, Tommy Green's no-hitter, Phillies Dodgers, Black Friday, so many of of those events outside of covering anything with the Flyers, what what will you remember most is, or what is your fondest memory of of the thing that you have covered? I, I think one of the most exciting things I covered. I covered the Phillies in the ninety three World Series with the the Macho Row Phillies that went from you know last to first. That was a fun ride, and of course Joe Carter ended it uh, in Game Six of the World Series. Uh, I was at I was uh, at that game. Sorry to bring it up. I was at that game. Jeff, well, knows. thanks a lot because Jason just started crying. Jeff, Jeff knows that that <laughs> moment is seared in my brain. I've talked about it on the air many a time, Sam. <laughs> but but sometimes in, in in losing you remember stuff like Mitch Williams was such a stand up guy after that home run. I remember that. I remember Bill Giles 
walking in around the room and, and trying to console everybody and, and hugging them and, and literally putting two hands on their shoulders and shaking them and saying, you know, you should be proud of what you did. I'm proud of you. He went over to each player and you remember stuff like that. And, uh, and, and the flyers in 2010, their, their magical ride, which I thought was going to end with the Stanley cup because once they beat Boston and came back from three down three games to nothing and three, nothing in game seven and won that series. I just thought they were a team of destiny. And uh, unfortunately it didn't happen. And, we all know about game six against Chicago and, and uh, Patrick Kane's goal that got past Michael Layton. So, oh, pain, you know, pain but, Sam. You're making me feel yeah. pain here. These, <laughs> these the moments in my life. The, the game seven win, though, in Boston with Simone Gagne scoring after a uh, delay game penalty on Boston, you know, that, that was one of the best moments because, uh, like I said, you thought they were a team of destiny. And, and to come back the way they did, and the silence of that crowd there in Boston was uh, was just amazing. But, uh, you know, I've been blessed to be able to interview. And, and I wrote this in the story the other day. When you're doing it, you don't really understand that you're interviewing legends. Like, I, I've talked to Hank Aaron. I've talked to uh, Gordy Howe. I, I've talked to some of the greats, all-time greats, Joe Frazier, um, and on and on. And, and I was surprised on, you thought Yaramir Yager was the funniest. Yeah, he he was he was amazing. He he was uh, a great guy and one of my favorite guys to interview. Uh, Danny Breyer was Ian LaPerrier. They were two of my favorites. Lenny Dykstra was great. Uh, I know he had problems has had problems uh, later, and uh, but Lenny, you know, for some reason he would really open up to me, and I I got along great with him. Bob Boone was one of my favorites. One of the first guys uh, with the Phillies back in the day when I interviewed him when I was at a weekly paper. Um, and then you remember some some interviews that came unexpectedly, like James Taylor, the great singer. He did he was doing the national anthem uh, before a Flyers Boston game at Fenway Park um, before the Winter Classic, and and they made him available for interviews. And I never thought I would ever ask James Taylor some questions. That you know the, the unexpected interviews. I interviewed Babe Ruth's daughter, believe it or not, in 1976. The Phillies hosted the All-Star Game at Veterans Stadium, and uh, they, they had the uh, the media facilities at the old Bellevue Stratford on uh, South Broad Street. And, uh, you know, the players were there. It was John Montefusco, Randy Jones. I'm just throw some names out there. And uh, Mark Fitterich, Mark DeBerg Fitterich. Uh, you know, they were some of the pitchers. But I ended up talking to Babe Ruth's daughter. She was there, too, and they were honoring Babe who, of course, had passed away uh, years before. And I remember, this is kind of a funny story, I remember talking to her and looking at her, and she just you could just see in her, in her cheeks, she had the, the look of her father. And I, I remember saying to her, I, I said, you really have a resemblance to your dad. And I was just making small talk because I was doing a story on her. And then she looked up at me, and she said, that's kind of funny because I was adopted. And, <laughs> So it, it just floored me, and I felt really low then, like, oh. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, some of the unexpected interviews that you get uh, are, re- are really uh, memorable, I think. And, and uh, uh, Bobby Thompson, you guys are probably too young to remember the shot heard around the world, 1951 
one of the most amazing and uh, talked about uh, games in baseball history. It goes down in football with probably the immaculate reception, Franco Harris catching the deflected pass. In baseball, uh, the Giants came all the way back. They were like 13 games back in uh, August. Came all the way back and had a playoff with the Dodgers. Beat the Dodgers in a playoff. They're down like uh, four to two, I believe it was. I could be wrong in that score, but Bobby Thompson hits the three-run homer to beat them uh, in the last inning. He hit the home run, which was dubbed the shocker around the world, and he hit it against Ralph Franca. And those two became good friends, and they actually traveled around the country together and did uh, book signings and autograph signings. So uh, I remember covering the the induction ceremonies to the Hall of Fame when Rich Ashburn went in and uh, Mike Schmidt went in, and I was part of the inquiry coverage with Jason Stark and and Frank Dolson, and and I remember <laughs> they had a room set up, and these two guys were in there. They, you know, this is years later, of course, but they were still talking about the shot heard around the world, and that was so cool to be able to interview them. It was totally unexpected. Wow. So I and, enjoyed uh, the the piece uh, on your forty six year journey that you had. I encourage everybody to read it. The subhead seems like it was perfect. Every day was different. Every day was an adventure. Every day was filled with surprise. Tell me real fast how people can find you at Philly Hockey now before we let you go back to covering all the news here. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, just go to, uh, you know, go on Google and, and search for Philly Hockey now. And I usually write two to three, sometimes four stories a day. Today I had a column on the, the possibility of Rick Tockett coming here and and, uh, and really talking about Mike Yao and, and uh, how so far he's been uh, so shorthanded and so difficult to evaluate him and that they should give him a chance over these last 46 games and, and see what he can do. And, and he has not had a healthy team. Let's see what he can do with a healthy team. But if not, you know, Rick Tockett is kind of lurking in the background. So, uh, But anyway, go to Google and Philly Hockey Now and, and – um, yeah, we, we do a good job. We, we cover 15 different teams in the NHL, and it's uh, uh, the site is doing really well. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you mentioning that. And and uh, most of the stories are free. Sometimes uh, there, there's a paywall on a few on a few stories, but uh, most of the stories are free. And, and uh, um, like I said, we, we do an in, in-depth job of the, of the Flyers and uh, – uh, and most of the NHL teams. Well, we encourage your loyal readers to keep following you and some new ones to join. Sam, always appreciate the time. Take care of yourself and keep us updated on what's going on. Thank you, guys. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Jeff, I I appreciate what Sam said. Um, I think he's right about the state uh, of the you were, team. You're about to say the exact same thing. I, I, I think he's right about the state of the team on mm-hmm. the ice. I think he is very generous mm, in his critique. I, I don't know about that either, but God. Okay, we'll get to that then. I think he's very generous in his critique of the off-the-ice problems with yeah. the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, it could just be an oversight, but that's a larger problem if it's an oversight. Well, you know, the, the, problem, the problem is, is that there's, there's oversights and then there's oversights. Yes. And, and while it may be fair to say maybe somebody missed it, how is that not on a calendar somewhere in the front office, if it even needs to be? There are a bunch of people in that building that didn't forget it. Yes. I mean, if you ask Lauren Hart, she's got that date 
in in her head. There are a whole bunch of people. There were that athletes are, posting on social media. It, who... it, exactly. So, I mean, look, they have a very fancy beginning now and they have all these great graphics and the flames come out of the scoreboard and, and all that is great. But all I kept thinking is, where's one second of that logo? The logo of the, the Flyers P with Ed Snyder's silhouette in it. Just put it up. Just a moment of silence. Just something that that should just... And to me, that's a bigger issue because one of the things about this organization and great organizations is how there's this legacy. You see old players come back and people in the organization come back. And when you have that kind of atmosphere and people know you're taking care of those things, then free agents want to come here. They want to be a part of it. There's actually a business reason to do it other than just a happy feel-good story. Without a doubt, and yeah. so if you're if you're a free agent now, unless this is the most the, the place you can get the most money, are you coming to the Flyers organization right now? No, and by the way, I guess I I was wrong in what I say about I I agree with his on the ice critique because I don't think even those players coming back makes us a good enough team to compete. No, this I mean this, and I I sent you at some point blow it up, and it's been the last few years that you wonder that, and now you sit there and go, now are they holding on to Claude Giroux? In spite of themselves. Well, it's all they the, have. Well, that's it. it, it the, the jersey that everybody's wearing is, is is Claude Giroux. He is the face of the organization and has been for well over a decade. But the, the fact is, right now, what good does it have to have somebody that senior who can go somewhere, provide you with young prospects, and that you need to rebuild on? Because you have right now a young goalie who isn't going to be young forever, and you're surrounding him with, I know people are injured. I know that they've gone through COVID. It's not like they were playing great before that. Nope. No, so, it has, his, Fletcher's moves are a mixed bag, and my question is, do they give him another year to try and fix it? I don't know how impatient this leadership group is, but there's a lot more empty seats down there at Flyers games now than there used to be. And you can get tickets really cheap before games start with really good seats. Oh yeah. And public service announcement, because nobody told me before I went down there is you now need to have your vaccination proof on you to get in the building. And so luckily I carry mine on me, but I didn't get a notification from it either the Flyers or the Sixers it was a, it was a city saying thing. heads up. Yeah, it was a city thing. I'm surprised you didn't hear from the teams. No. I really am. That's uh, that's interesting. Look, let's hit the break. When we come back, we'll be joined a little bit after by Keith Pompey to talk some Sixers. I'm sure he'll have plenty to say about the Eagles playoff game as well. Stick with <laughs> us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEG, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. All right, Jeff, we're back here. We'll be joined by Keith in about a minute or two. Uh, You've been at some Sixers games. What's your take on what you've been watching with this team on the court before we have him come on and talk about what's actually going on? It's like Danny and the Miracles. It's 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 uh, for people who understand the reference of the Kansas Jayhawks team, where there was just Danny Manning and and four other guys. (laughs) Is is, that's kind of what's happening with the Sixers right now? Yeah, it's not. 
Yeah, <laughs> Joel and his friends. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's that's really what it is turned into now. Is it because Tobias has kind of sunk back into this role player role instead of being a max player? You now have a bunch of guys, and again, I'm still not sold on Tyrese Maxey. Why not? Because he's he's a volume shooter at this point, and he's not a point guard. All right, Keith Pompey, you are there with us. Uh, Jeff is telling me that this team has turned into Joel and his friends now. Danny and the Miracles. <laughs> Thanks for giving us some time before the game tonight against the Celtics. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. But, hey, before we talk about uh, Joel and the, and the Miracles, can we talk about uh, – the heartbreak or, or or the tragedy that Michigan had. Actually, the, uh, no, we can't be, because 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 you canceled on us last week, and that was your chance. And and this is the punishment is I don't I'm have to saying, hear it. Like I, I'm just saying, they 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 look like uh, um, man, they 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 look like the Orlando Magic of the NBA. Like <laughs> Jeff got you to buy in though, Keith. I saw you rooting for those uh, Michigan Wolverines there on your Facebook well, page. He got yeah, you a little bit. I like. Yeah, it's because I like that song, you know. But you know, when the game started, I was like, "Well, dang!" And, and, and the game was so bad, you know. The game was so bad that ESPN didn't even like rerun it. You know how like they like you you kept seeing like wow. the Alabama Cincinnati game every seven hours, but this game was like, "Yo, I missed it. Let me let me see the end." And nah, I couldn't get it. Keith Sorry Pompey coming in hot. Hey, all all I know, and and this is also taking a shot at me, so I'm I'm aware of what I'm about to do. But I hope you enjoy the next four to five years of Kenny Pickett being the quarterback for the Giants. <laughs> yeah, right. You too. Yeah. Yeah, you know, There's you know, a little he, deflection you know, right be, there. Go ahead. You know, he'll, he'll be he'll be a, he'll be a quality backup. You uh huh. Know? <laughs> yeah, he'll be a quality backup, but he'll be starting for the the team that just. Just so we're aware, I believe the Giants have the worst record in the NFL over the last five years. Yeah, that's... yeah, but you know the difference between Kenny Pickett and Michigan's quarterback. Kenny yeah. Pickett's going to get drafted. <laughs> oh well, well, that's that's because Harbaugh used the wrong quarterback. Keith but brought, that's an argument for another day. Keith brought <laughs> jokes today. Keith, we'll get we'll get Keith Pompey on football towards the end of the interview. I want to start with Keith Pompey on basketball. Uh, Sixers had their seven-game win streak snapped the other night, losing to Charlotte. They're fifth in the East. Uh, where is this team right now, health-wise? They've had a lot of guys in protocol and injuries. Uh, where do they stand, Keith? You know, um, you know, they had a lot of guys in protocols and injuries. But if we want to be fair, we have to say that every team in the NBA had a lot of guys in protocols and injuries, right? Um, you know, the one thing that we can say is, <coughs> excuse me, Joel Embiid played. Um, you know, and and so. The problem, the concern I walk away from looking at the 76ers are like, okay, you know, Joel Embiid scored 31 points in, what, eight straight games, seven, eight straight games, mm-hmm. and they needed him to do that in all the, for the majority of those games. So it's kind of sort of like if Joel is, in, is having an off night, right now the Sixers team doesn't have anybody else who can step up on a consistent basis who can help this team beat the teams, I think, who are ahead of them in the standings. And I think right now, tonight's game against Boston, tomorrow's game against the Miami Heat, and, you know, to a, a maybe maybe not uh, uh, maybe not against Washington, because Washington still has injuries. But I think these, this back-to-back right now is going to tell us a lot about this Sixers squad. 
Yeah, well, well, that's what I mean by Danny and the Miracles, is we, we, we now are looking at a Sixers team that is a center and a whole bunch of overpaid role players is what it's looking like. We, we no longer, the, the guys who we thought were going to step up, the guys we were hoping were going to be clutch players at the end, they may be good, but, but they're, they should be fourth or fifth players on a championship team. And right now we don't have people stepping up that are able to be the two and the three. What do you do about that? And, and is it fixable? Is, is, there, is there something that can be done this year? Or should we just accept the Sixers will be a fifth, sixth, seventh seed, possibly pull off something in the first round <laughs> if possible, but then that's it? I mean, a lot of that has to do with Ben Simmons. I mean, if they can, I mean, at this point, we know that Ben Simmons isn't playing. Like, and if Ben Simmons does play, he's not. It's basically, you know, it's basically an an audition. You know what I mean? Like, oh, hey, Ben, the team wants to see you run up the court to see what type of condition you're in. You're like, you know, and I don't even like. So I don't see that happening. Um, so, like, with the way this team is, you know, I mean, I hate to say it. But it, to me, it looks like a first-round exit team. Uh, now, maybe if they pull up to the, the number four seed, and then maybe they can beat the fifth seed. But as the, as the fourth, I mean, excuse me, as the fifth or the sixth seed, I don't see them winning a first-round exit. Now, again, if they can somehow make a trade and get someone for them, then maybe it will change a little bit. But also with that, it's a little... Um, you know, it's, it's the unknown because we don't know how these guys are going to mesh in a short per- uh, period of time. You know, we don't know who that person is going to be. So right now, as this team is currently constructed, you know, I just don't see it. And and the one thing, like you did say, is, you know, you have a bunch of role players. On top of that, there are a bunch of inconsistent role players. And that's not like a knock on them. It's just that one game for Con Cork Myers will look great, and then the next game he struggles. You know what I mean? There's one game where you look at Matisse Seibel, and he looks great, and Danny Green struggles, and then the next thing you know, it's like flip-flop. The other one struggles, the other one looks great. It seems like whoever comes off the bench looks better than the starter for most instances. So, you know, and, and then Tobias Harris, he's catching a lot of flack. But I think a lot of his struggles are predicated off of, hey, we don't have a, a, a pure point guard. We don't have anybody to get me the ball in certain spots. You know, I am a power forward. You know, I'm an athletic power forward. But I have to initiate a lot of the offense. So I think that's putting him in an uncomfortable spot. And he doesn't have a rhythm with a pure point guard to get him the ball in the right spots that he needs to be, and that's led to a lot of his struggles. So, you know, I know I'm a little long-winded, but I, I think that, you know, what you said is right. They're in, they, don't, they have a bunch of role players, but I think the fact that they're inconsistent role players that you can't depend on all every night is, is what's going to hurt the 76ers. One thing with inconsistency, though, you, you can have consistent effort. This team is 30th in the league in rebounding, 49, about 49 a game. They were 7th in the league this year last time. Um, what is going on with this team not hitting the boards? Is it lack of aggressiveness? 
is it all just because Ben Simmons isn't on the court? I mean, what's going on here? I think that's a majority of it. Honestly, I do. I mean, because when you look at this team, right, so, you know, Doc Rivers will say, man, we got a small lineup, we got a small team. You're like, man, what you talking about? You have Joel, you have Drummond, you have B-Ball Paul, you have Charles Bassey, right? But, you know, but when you look at it and um, and you say, oh, you may have George Niang, you may have Tobias, but let's be, a hundred, let's be real. Like, Tobias and George, they typically – excel better in the perimeter on the offensive end, right? No one's saying they're a lockdown defender, especially not in the post, right? So these are two guys, although they're big, they're like in the perimeter. We don't even know if B-Ball Paul and Charles Bassey are going to start. They just started doing the Twin Towers, right? I mean, if they're going to play from night to night. I think the fact that they lost Ben, because let's face it, you know, Ben would be – you know, in the perimeter, um, excuse me, at times, but a lot of times he was in the dunker spot on offense. That's 6'10". He was grabbing rebounds. You know, he was playing well. And I think that when you take Ben Simmons out of the equation, now the person is you got Tyrese Maxey, who's 6'3", 6'4". Ben was 6'10". And then we look at these other um, power forwards. They're stretch bigs. So that that um, – contributes to a lot of things. It's like if Joel Embiid, the only rebounders they have on the team really are Joel and um, and um, Andre Drummond. So so I think the fact that Ben Simmons isn't there, that really has impacted them a lot. So let, let me ask you a question about Ben Simmons. Actually, I'm going to ask you to play lawyer here. Um, who Who is behind and what is the logic behind saying that Ben Sim, if he does get traded, he's going to need weeks to get conditioned. Because I'll I'll tell you, it seems to me there's no benefit to anybody to say that unless there's self-sabotage or bad negotiating. Maybe lunch didn't go well with Rich Paul the other day. Nah, what it is is, think about this. It's like it's saying to someone, I mean, it's it's like you're, you're thinking... I mean, like, you know, I, I thought about it, and it, like, you know, when it came out. But now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, hey, look, y'all want Ben Simmons, right? You want Ben Simmons to make this playoff push. You want him to do this and that. I'm telling you, you better come get him now. <laughs> because it's going to take a couple weeks for him to get in shape, get in condition. So if I was you, I would make that trade yesterday. And you get him out there, and then in a couple weeks, Oh, it's going to be good. But as long as you keep waiting and you don't make up your mind that you don't want to give up me those four, those four first-round picks, oh, bro, like, you're messing up, man. Like, it's, it's, it's going to be March. It's going to be March by the time Ben's able to play. Yeah, but I'm not, you know I'm, I mean? yeah, but I'm not buying that because, because if, if I'm another team, I'm sitting there going, wait a second here. This, this, this guy is holding out, but he can't keep himself in shape. What is he doing? I got to worry about whether or not he's going to even be committed to play if I trade for him. Yeah, but see, again, you know, like let, let, let's keep it 100 too, right? Let's keep mm-hmm. it real. So, you know, Ben Simmons, like well, we're, we're talking about, you know, you're talking like if you were a lawyer, if you were this and that. And yeah, I, I pretend to be one we, during the day. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so here, here's the deal. The deal is like, 
what you're saying makes common sense, right? But what they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to get a team, in my opinion, to, hurry, to bite. You understand? That's why we always hear stuff leaking that, oh, this team might want them. Because if you really want them, then you better hurry up and come and, 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 and give us something, right? And give us something. Now, see, the reason why that whole thing doesn't make sense, this isn't our grandfather's NBA, right? Where guys were in the off season, they were, you know, working, um, you know, their, 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 the jobs they went to college to get their degrees, their degrees for to make money, and they came back out of shape. Right now, a prime example of this is Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson was a guy who was sitting at home with his kids. But what he did is he got up in the morning and every day and he put in a workout. He did what he had to do. Mm -hmm. You know, like you hear the stories about Ben Simmons was over at St. Joe's getting the workout in. Now we hear that he was over at Cherry Hill, up was it, Cherry Hill East, yeah, getting the workout Keith, in. Keith, uh, Jeff told me not to bring that up, but my phone blew up with people sending me the Twitter video of him practicing over there. Why is that going on right now? Why is it going on? Because, because like what you said, like what we're talking about, these guys, like you know, like these guys are getting these workouts in because once the team comes and gets them, then all of a sudden it's going to be like Tyler Johnson. I mean, if you know, they're going to make a trade for Ben. The next thing you know, the crowd's going to like, hey, we got Ben Simmons. He may not play in that first game. And it may not be the second game, but you best believe he's going to play in the third game. Look, or I, look at Tyler Johnson. He played a couple minutes in the first game. I, I don't buy that in today's NBA that a guy is just sitting at home out of shape. I don't buy that. Me either. I don't buy it. But I don't see how putting out that, he, you know, by practicing in a gym against a high school basketball team is a great marketing pitch to a professional basketball team well, that he's out there keeping in condition against guys who are sitting on the end of the bench. Well, it doesn't matter. Like, here's the deal. Like, let's keep it real. What it is is where it comes out that, oh, Ben Simmons is going to take a couple weeks to get in shape. Well, then next thing you know, you, there's a video posted of him playing pickup basketball. You, right. you know what I'm saying? So, in, in other words, like, I hate to say it, man. It's all, like, optics nowadays. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, I mean, it's like before. Like, well, you know, uh, the Sixers will say one thing, and the next thing you know, Ben will react a different way. And then this and that. Like, you know, right about now is all about, you know, like, everybody's trying to, you know, let people know, well, if you want to do this, you better do it quickly. He's not going to be in shape, and he's coming back and, like, Oh, I'm not in shape. I'm working out. You, you know what I mean? Like, let's face it. It doesn't matter who he works out with. Like, if, if we really want to be real, like the low minute guys on the Seventy Sixers, they they practice with. Um, now, some of these dudes play college ball, but some of them, you know, you know, they just trainers. But that's who they have pickup games with. So you're looking at it and you're saying to yourself, like, come on, man, like this ain't. This can't be productive, but what it is 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 all about that person, you know, getting the, his energy up and him making shots and this and that, and people could care who's in front of him at that time, you know. Is he making? By the way, is he making free throws while he's at Cherry Hill? <laughs> oh God! Oh, I don't know. Jeff just likes to twist that. I Look, know. I guess my my twist question it. is: What do I have to twist? <clears throat> there's it, to me, there's a defensiveness about this team, you know. 
whether it's the arguments over whether or not the fans have the right to boo and how the players respond, whether it's Doc getting defensive over questions that are asked by you and other reporters in the press conference. Is it just a frustration with this whole circus that's gone on? Or am, or am I seeing it wrong? It just seems like people resent the fact that they're being questioned on their decisions right now. I think if there is a frustration because, you know, let's keep it, let's keep, I keep saying, let's keep it real. Let's keep it 100. I'm sorry. I need to get another transition, right? Jeff will but, give you but, something but, cool. Well, look, yeah, well, like, well, well, Keith, we are giving you some leeway here since you finally asked a great question. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, did you? My response is like, man, I, I liked it better when we were arguing. <laughs> I, Doc, Doc Rivers, Jeff, for those that didn't hear the post game press conference, Doc Rivers acknowledged that he asked a great question. And, so, and, and for Keith, so. I, I tried really hard for Jeff to get the audio of that clip so we could play out. But the only thing I was able to find was the audio from the previous question. He didn't like where he responded to you in a way that I can't play on the radio. <laughs> yeah, so that was crazy. But, um, you know, the thing is, the, I forgot what the last question was. Uh, but um, I, I was just you know, asking in, about oh, the defensiveness. Of... Yeah, I mean, he, he, here's the thing. Like, so let, like, the deal is, do, we all see it. We asked the questions like, hey, Doc, um, you know, yes, you guys beat another depleted team, but Joel Embiid had to score a lot of points, and you had to come up with a run late in the game to steal this victory over this a team made up of mostly G-leaguers, right? So he knows that. He knows that. But he's always painting a picture of we're holding this thing together. So it comes to a point in time when we continue to ask these questions, it becomes frustrating because it becomes frustrating because you're up here trying to, like, paint this picture like, oh, everything is great. But in the back of your mind, you're hoping, like, man, I wish we would have made this trade months ago if we would have had this player right here and there. Now, again, they're not coming out and saying this, but – Deep down inside, they know it's messed up. They know, like, you know, they play. They know, like, man, you mean to tell me we just had to struggle to beat the G League All-Stars? You, you, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. dang, if Joel didn't play tonight or if Joel had a bad night, that would have been another bad loss. And I mean, look, you know? they, so, they've been going through the Ben saga. It's a year ago now today that they trade for James Harden was next. So, like, they've been going through this after telling him for a really long time now. I can imagine that's wearing on everybody. Yeah, it is. And But then at the same time, it's kind of like, well, you know what? We're a tight-knit group. Our culture is so great. Oh, I love these guys and this and that. I'm not saying that's not true, that these guys get don't get along and they don't have fun and they don't do this, they don't do that. But there comes a point in time when you look at it and you've been playing ball long enough to know that I'm just painting a, a positive picture and I'm a little bit concerned about what we're doing. Because, you know, like, yes, they beat the Orlando Magic. Yes, they beat the Houston Rockets twice. They beat the Toronto Raptors, um, you know, a depleted Toronto Raptors team. Now, they did have, you know, a, a Pascal Siakam did come back, right? 
So, you know, this and that. So they weren't as bad as they were when that Toronto Raptors team was embarrassed two nights before against Cleveland. But at the same time, your Sixers are like, dang, like, you know, this isn't good. And even when you look at it, you talk about that uh, that Brooklyn win. When they defeated Brooklyn, I was like, okay, okay, this is a great win. This is a great win. And then you look and you see how Brooklyn's been struggling since, you know. So it's kind of sort of like that's why I said, you know, uh, it's funny. I got a friend who covers the Charlotte Hornets and for the um, for the uh, Charlotte Observer. And, he, you know, he was we were talking before the game, and he said, so what do you think is going to happen tonight? I said, Charlotte's going to win. He said, what are you talking about, dude? They can't beat the Sixers with Embiid. I said, yes, they can. They have guards. They have quality guard play, right? Embiid's going to score a lot of points, and they're going to beat the Sixers. So it's like you and, – and we're talking about a Hornet squad that's not in the upper echelon in the league, but they have a nice blend of young players. They have, they, they, they have a lot of heart. They play ball. And I just think that at this particular time, this 76ers squad is going to struggle against quality ball clubs because they don't have the depth and they don't have that consistent score. And the Sixers know that, and that's why it's a little bit of frustration when you ask the question. Because what they want you to do is they don't want you to create a narrative that they're bad. What they want you to do is they want you to bring up all the positive things, like such and such got a double-double. Oh, like this person became the first player since uh, since Charles Barkley to have this type of stat. But the thing is, you guys lost the game or you barely beat an undermanned team. So you know, that's why they get a little snippy because, you know, they don't want to. They don't want to. Um, they don't want that to be the narrative. Yeah. Well, look, watching Joel Embiid is exciting, but watching a big man isn't exciting for a whole game or a week or a month. And and these days isn't going to win you. I mean, I, I was texting you the other day. I was watching the Memphis Grizzlies. They are exciting to watch, win or lose, mostly win. But that's an exciting team to watch because of their guard play and what they've put around them. So is there is there is there a, for people that are that are listening to this is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Is there a potential trade? We know it's not going to be Dame Lillard or even CJ McCollum now cuz both of both of those guys don't seem to be playing anytime soon. Is there is there any potential deal out there that can turn this around cuz I'm still not sold that Tyrese Maxey is the point guard that can at least make people like Tobias better again. You know, the, the thing is, to me, the best deal that they can get right now that could possibly turn it around, help turn it around, and I don't even think it's going to happen. I, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. So I'm embarrassed for saying it. But if there's a player that probably would be available, I think, that could help them, that would have to be Bradley Bill this year, right? That would have to be Brad, right? Or, right, um... You know, outside of that, um, like, because I don't think, like, a guy like James Harden is going to get traded this year. 
I don't think that. You know, like maybe like Blake Griffin or somebody would have to struggle mightily for them to say, okay, well, we'll take Ben off your hands. And also, you know, last I heard, Ben wasn't fully vaxxed, wasn't vaccinated. I don't know what his status is now, but you can't have him and Kyrie both in New York at the same time, right, not being able to play, right? So that can nix that. But so outside of that, I honestly have to say that the best option the Sixers could have is basically, um, and it's not going to help them this year, but would probably do a sign-and-trade with James Harden this summer, trying to see if New York, because if Harden says, hey, I want out, I want out, I'm about to become a free agent, someone's going to give me a max, and they're like, ho, 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 let's just do this signing-trade, we'll give you, you know, the max, and, but we, and then we'll trade you to Philadelphia. I mean, I think that might be the best thing outside of, you know, basically trading for Dame Lillard. All right, and I don't know if that's going to happen. Before I let you go cover the game tonight, uh, over under on whether you last before the Eagles game starts or after for the crying Jordan memes for us Eagles fans. Man, you know what? I was telling somebody I wasn't even going to watch that game this week. Like, I don't even think it, you know, I, I just think it's going to get ugly personally. I, I don't even know. Like, I mean, I, I think now again, and, and I don't mean to be ill, but. Yeah, you do. NFC, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. The NFC East, the <laughs> NFC East was the Big Ten of football. It wow. Compete with the Boy, SEC. you have a way to just, see as a, I, I was, you are a good writer, but you just bringing it around, right? Bringing the heat, I'm just heat Pompeii. I'm just messing. Wow. No, I'm messing. But you know what? The NFC East was like, <laughs> the NFC East was bad. The NFC so East was a dumpster like, fire. That's why yeah, I have no idea. Right, no. Like, I, I can roll out stats that say this could be a great team, but it's against the little sisters of the poor half the time. So yeah, it's like I, mean, I have no know, idea what funny. they are. Well, and see, that's the funny thing. Like, and I hate to be, you know, critical, but it no, was you like, don't. I, I used to get, I used to get, I used to get upset with some, you know, like I would trade, you know, I trash talk and, and let people know that I'm always just having fun. Right. Yeah. But I would trash talk with people and they were like, well, we lost to Dallas and we had our backups. And I want to say, well, Dan, the last game that Daniel Jones played was when the, when the Giants beat the Eagles. That was like the last game. And then uh, who were those receivers? You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, and the same thing with Dallas. I mean, and not Dallas, the Redskins were like, you know, bringing the practice squad players up and, and, and starting them. So it's kind of like, you know, the Eagles beat those teams. Dallas, you know, were beating those teams as, as well. I just don't think that the Eagles are any good. I don't think that Dallas is any good right now. And, and you know, I mean, it's just comparable to other things. Like, here's a prime example. You know, Dallas was 6-0 and in the NFC East beating teams by an average margin of 20-something points, right? They were 6-5 and five outside of the NFC East, and, and, and their wins were by an average of two points. So that just tells you how bad. Look, the Eagles haven't. By the way, he, how impressed are you that, that he came with those stats? I'm not surprised in the least. I'm not surprised in the least. But look, I mean, Keith, when I say it, this, the Eagles haven't beaten a team over 500 this season. 
So I have no idea exactly. what to expect. I didn't. Ex- Jeff keeps saying. How sad is it that Jason talks smack against himself? Well, no, it's just the reality. <laughs> like you can be, you can be like blinded and say, "Support your team. You're going to win this you're game. You're wearing your Eagles jersey. I'm going to watch it and hope yeah. that they win. But I don't have the expectation they're going to beat the Super Bowl champions. <laughs> but I do think that there's a way, especially with the weather. And, you know, you can't run against the Bucks up the middle, but you can run on, off the edges to them. Now, can the Eagles do that? Who knows? But, you know, we'll see. I'll, I'll be watching, and then I'll be watching in the comments thread for the Flame War after Keith puts up his memes. Keith Pompey. Oh, yeah, I'm working on some of them today. I have no <laughs> doubt. Believe me, you're, you're hoping for a blowout in the Sixers game tonight so you can work on your memes for Sunday. Keith, enjoy covering the game. Always a blast to talk to you, man. Take care of yourself. Hey, thanks for having me on, fellas. Oh, you take care of yourself. Jeff, uh, other than the fact that he just trashed Michigan repeatedly. At the beginning and end. And at the end, yes. We've got 30 seconds left before we what's, sign all off. All right, it was quick. What's your prediction? I think the Bucks win. I, I don't like no, saying that. No, what's the that. score? Uh, Do they cover? No, I don't think so. I think it's closer than that. I think that the Eagles, to even be in the game, have to score more than 30 points. Are they in it in the? I guess you're, and you don't even think they're in it in the fourth quarter. I do think they're in the fourth quarter. I, I think the weather is going to be an equalizer in the I, game. I was at the game. The Buccaneers lost nine nothing. So I've seen yeah, what they can, they, they can, can do. be stopped. It's yes. just a question of whether the Eagles with their defense will do it. Keep running. Don't give up on it. That's going to be the last word. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye bye.